week 44. Did anybody bring their answers to the questions from last week? Because we were going to do a new system. It's okay. If you don't have it, I'll just, it's kind of like a new thing, so it can take some time to get used to. So if you don't have it, I can just go over no? I wasn't here last time, so I didn't know. Oh, you weren't? Oh, that's right. Yes, because I'm right. on my UP. Ah, that's right. That's right. Okay. I'll just briefly do a quick review um, of chapters 1 through 10. So one question was, two classes of transcendentalists. So Srila Prabhupada said, one is the impersonalist and the other is the personalist. The personalist devotee engages himself with all energy in the service of the Supreme Lord. The impersonalist also engages himself not directly in the service of Krishna, but in meditation on the impersonal Brahman, the unmanifested. And Sri the Prabhupada further said, So in practically every chapter, the conclusion has been that one should be attached to the personal form of Krishna, for that is the highest spiritual realization. Nevertheless, there are those who are not attached to the personal form of Krishna, they are so firmly detached that even in the preparation of commentaries on Bhagavad Gita, they want to distract other people from Krishna and transfer all devotion to the impersonal Brahma Jyoti. They prefer to meditate on the impersonal form of the Absolute Truth, which is beyond the reach of the senses and is not manifest. So then describe the impersonal conception of the Absolute. Uh, it's described here that that which lies beyond the perception of the senses, the all-pervading, inconceivable, unchanging, fixed and immovable, the impersonal conception of the absolute truth. And that's done by a vigorous practice of controlling the various senses, being equally disposed to everyone. And so, in the end, this person also achieves Krishna. So Krishna is saying the different transcendentalists who eventually reach him, but that's considered the uh, difficult way. And the simple, blissful way is, is bhakti yoga. So then explain the mailbox example. So we may find some mailboxes on the street, and we, if we post our letters in those boxes, they will naturally go to their destination without difficulty. But any old box or an imitation which we find somewhere, but which is not authorized by the post office, will not do the work. Similarly, God has authorized representation in the deity form, which is called the Arch of Vigraha. The Arch of Vigraha is an incarnation of the Supreme Lord, God will accept service through that form. The Lord is omnipotent, all-powerful. Therefore, by his incarnation as Archavigraha, he can accept the services of the devotee just to make it convenient for man in conditioned life. And then finally, what are some of the difficulties associated with following the impersonal path and following the personal path? Well, following the impersonal path, one has to cease the sensual activities of seeing, hearing, tasting, working, then one can come to understand the Supreme Soul is present everywhere. It's described to sit in a, in a remote place for hundreds, thousands of years, and to uh, to attack, put the put the spine and and straight with the center of the earth, and to look at the tip of the nose, and to control the breathing, the pranayam. And so, in this age of Kali, it's, it's impossible actually to practice the Ashtanga Yoga. So Krishna is saying right here in response to Arjuna, this path is very difficult, and one should not pursue this path in this age of Kali. Yes? Can we turn on the fan, just maybe on low? It's, this room tends to get a little stuffy. Do we want to do, let's put on the... Um, we don't need the air, just the fan. Because we have some, we have some allergies too, and like we stir oh. some things up. 
Yeah, that's if you put the fan on. Yeah. Okay. Um, no, that's okay because we're gonna get all the all the dirty air and we're gonna get the burnt. <laughs> yeah, this is a brand new system, so we'll just put this on though. That's yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. And so then the personal conception. So person in Krishna consciousness engaged in devotional service simply by the guidance of the bona fide spiritual master simply by offering regulative obeisances to the deity, simply by hearing the glories of the Lord, and simply by eating the remnants of foodstuffs offered to the Lord, realizes the Supreme Personality Godhead very easily. So Krishna says, But those who worship me, giving up all their activities unto me, and being devoted to me without deviation, engaged in devotional service and always meditating upon me, having fixed their minds upon me, O son of Prita, for them I am the swift deliverer from the ocean of birth and death. Just fix your mind upon me, the Supreme Personality Godhead, and engage all your intelligence in me. Thus you'll live in me always, without a doubt. So Krishna is saying, I really want you to just meditate on me, be absorbed in me, and serve me with love. But if you can't do that, then you can, um, then you can follow the, the sadhana bhakti, the regular principles. If you can't follow those regular principles, then, uh, then work for me. Do some, do some service for me. If you can't do that, then do some philanthropic work. Give up the fruits of your work. Be, become a, a kind person. Become a giving person. Give something. And if you can't do that, um, then cultivate knowledge. Try to understand the difference between matter and spirit. And if you can't do that, then uh, meditate. Just engage in meditation. Uh, but better than meditation is, is giving up the fruits of work. And... Um, so Krishna is clearly delineating the different transcendentalists, and he's saying, all of them will reach me, but bhakti yoga is the best. And if we had bhakti yoga, then that fulfills everything. We don't need, like, like Prabhupada said, with one stroke, Krishna consciousness, it satisfies all the needs uh, of the spiritualist. So now in this chapter, we're going to investigate the different qualities that arise from devotional service. And these qualities that make somebody very dear to Krishna. So we're gonna we're gonna talk about that a little bit today. So who would like to share first? No? Yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Okay. So my discovery, I picked um, the seventeenth verse. Um. One who neither rejoices nor grieves, who neither laments nor desires, and who renounces both auspicious and inauspicious things, such a devotee is very dear to me. So my understanding of that is that one who does not attach to any object or activity in life, and who can give up uh, clinging to all experiences and surrenders all to serving and satisfying the Supreme Lord, um, is a devotee who is very dear to Krishna. So application for that is I remember that I was a Buddhist for many years and one of the biggest things they had with that is to unattach to everything um, so I had a lot of practice with that but still struggle with it all the time um, but I think that as time goes by because I've noticed that the fleeting and, and it says so in, in, in the scriptures as well that things are temporary in the material world we're temporary in the material world. This body's temporary. Um, and so just to focus on what is not temporary, and that is Krishna and 
our internal uh, true selves, you know. So um, in serving that, then you serve what is permanent and not what is temporary and don't cling to it. It doesn't mean that, you know, like we, we have family or we have things that we do or we have a dog we take out and walk or take care of or things like that that we don't do it, but it just means that when things go away, when tragic things happen, which inevitably they will, things will happen in life. We get sickness, we get ill, disease, and we die, you know. Um, to go through all that, you know, we, we really need to just not understand that it's all temporary. You know, it's something that's just part of this material world. And so that's helped me, especially when I went through cancer and watch other people go through cancer, um, helped me to really see that. I mean, really brought to light that idea um, of, of that concept. Because I could have, and around me when I had got my cancer, I mean, it was kind of weird when I was first diagnosed with it. At that time, I, I look back on it and I just, it, it kind of like was weird. I mean, I really wasn't upset, as it were, with it. I was just sort of, well, okay, guess that's something I got to go through, you know? And I think it was just, it, it's a matter of accepting these things that come along because it's part of having a body, you know? And once we accept that, and uh, that helps a lot, and then in turn, when we are serving Krishna, everything towards Krishna, everything is satisfying the Lord, then it's like, well, this is what I need to go through. This is. You know, this is an experience I need to experience, and, and I give it all to him. You know, give it all the, whatever I do to him, you know. And that just adds to that concept of giving up. It just, it just makes it more powerful to be able to do that. So I think in an application, it's, it's able to remember who you are, what your place is in the universe of things, and to just keep serving, you know, uh, keep being a loving, devoted servant to the Lord. Yeah. Yes, Krishna was kind of emphasizing what makes it dear to him in some way, right? It's, it's, it's determined. Um, and how can we best serve those around us? Um, because it explains that, you know, somebody who's a spiritualist looks looks like they're doing the same things materialists do. Take care of their family, go to work, school, etc. But their consciousness is different. So how do we how do we best serve those those people dear to us? Is that we become the best devotee we could possibly be, if we if we become close to Krishna through um, surrendering to the Lord in, in the process, then everybody in our life benefits, and and because we become impregnated with Krishna consciousness, like uh, Vasudev um, was was so Krishna conscious, he was so absorbed in having Krishna as his son that he impregnated through his mind the Devaki with this love of Krishna into her heart and then Krishna was born. So in the same way, um, everybody we come in contact with, we, we serve through being a devotee and we do it in the proper consciousness. Because what better friend can we be than, than giving people a spiritual benefit? You know? There's so many things that we can do, we have to do, like practically for our friends and family. But what is the best thing we can do is we can be the best devotee we can be when we become spiritually advanced, that's contagious. We can anywhere we go is a becomes a blessing. Anywhere we go, anywhere a saint goes, they bless the place because they give um, they give this bhakti, they transfer this bhakti, and um, yeah. So that's a wonderful realization. It's not that we stop 
like Prabhupada, like one devotee was writing to Prabhupada and he said, Prabhupada, I, I feel like I have to work a job um, to support my family. I feel like I'm a karmi. And a karmi means somebody who, who works to gain fruits so that they can enjoy their, their mind and senses uh, in this world. Prabhupada said, no, you are not a karmi. Prabhupada said, you are, you are a devotee. Because you give up everything to Krishna and you're better than a sannyasi. <laughs> that was his response. You are not a karmi. You are, but you have to work in a different consciousness. That I'm working to realize myself and to help those around me realize their eternal nature and thus benefit everybody, benefit the whole world. So thank you so much. We're, we're doing, um, so every week we have like a collection of verses. So this week is chapter 12, verses 11 to 20. So anybody who wants to join the study group, um, I'll, I can get you your email and I'll extend a worksheet. Did you get the worksheet? No, okay. Okay, I'm so sorry. Okay, so I'm going to have to send you a worksheet and then you can do the reading before next week. And then you come and you can share um, your discovery. So, so is that okay? this text, so does that, when it says text, is that, where, where are we, what, what, what page? Yes, yeah, so we're on chapter 12, yeah. Oh, oh so it's this right? Means that you are on chapter 6, and not talking to us. Oh, okay, so that's, that's where we are. It should be 12 over here, and then... Yeah, chapter 12, verses 11 through 20. Yeah. Oh, okay. So because different devotees are sharing their discoveries, it's not going to be so sequential. Yeah, so it's going to be, I mean, sometimes they'll say, I'm reading from this verse, and then we can follow along. Okay, so that's what we need to read it before. Yeah, let me get your email, because this is a study group. Yeah. So get your email addresses, and that way you can study beforehand and read and do the worksheet, and then come and share okay. with the group. Is that okay? So this is just auditing, you know, auditing class. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Who would like to share next? Okay. All right. Okay. So I picked eleven part of the purport. Eleven, sexy eleven. Mm-hmm. Sexy eleven. Yeah. Part of the purport, and it goes, If one attaches himself directly to the activities of Krishna consciousness, there may be objections from family members or so many other difficulties. For one who has such problem, it is advised that he sacrifice the accumulated results of his activities to some good cause. So... So in this verse, I was a little confused, like, did it mean, um, so uh, the way I took it was, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to swallow because obviously you're talking about your family and you're attached, naturally. Um, but uh, when it says, um, it is advised that he sacrifices the accumulated results of his ac activities to some good cause, is it talking about, like, being detached from the family, or is it talking about fruitive activity? Like, which one? So this is for the class of people that they, they have an advance in spiritual life uh -huh. to sympathize with the Krishna consciousness movement. So Krishna is saying, and Prabhupada is emphasizing, if we just give 
we selflessly give, we do some philanthropic work, our consciousness will rise to the point where we'll be able to accept some service at some point. Mm. Like we'll be able to, uh, we'll be primed, our heart will be uh, fertile to meet a devotee and to gain some access to devotional service. So just giving is just pious. Like when we give to feed the homeless, mm. or we give to help the sick, or you know, suffering humanity, save the whales, different philanthropic activities. It's not spiritual, but it's pious. And piety um, allows the consciousness to be more open to receive the grace of the Lord. In and of itself, it doesn't feel close to the Krishna, but it allows that access, more easy, more easy access. Like, for instance, if somebody's inside a cave, they can't get into sunlight, right? When they come out, and the sun will shine. So the sun's always shining, but when our consciousness is covered, then we can't receive that sunlight. But when we begin doing good, we begin doing selfless activities, trying to help humanity, help others, then we're more primed to receive the grace of the Lord. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. Well, because when I read it, I actually, in my mind, I understood it as, because it was talking about the family part of it, I understood it as the last part of it. Um, something clicked in my head and it was like, okay, well, we're here in this situation right now in this lifetime with these parents and these siblings and this thing, probably because of like something that I did last life. So it's kind of like an accumulation of my last life. So it kind of opened my eyes to see it differently. So, I mean, I'm still attached, <laughs> but it kind of opened my mind to see it very differently. And it encouraged me to, which is my application, to kind of, yes, be there and for my family and love them and all this thing, but also practice, cultivate a detachment little by little. Because ultimately, I need to be detached from them. And be attached to giving them Krishna. Oh, yeah, I'm very because attached then, to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because that means that you'll, you'll be able to um, release them from a bodily attachment. Yeah. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Because bodily, it's, it's a temporary experience. Yeah. But on the spiritual platform, if we give them Krishna, there's a, a bond that transcends the uh, emotional, sentimental attachment mm -hmm. in this world. Yeah. Like um, Sri Tagore, his, his son died and Lord Daytona was dancing in his house. Um, you know Sri Tagore. So, you know, mm -hmm. so, and um, he didn't tell the Lord because he didn't want to disturb his emotional ecstasy. And then he felt like, this is how he felt, he felt like, oh, this my son was not mine, this is Krishna, this is the soul that belongs mm -hmm. to Krishna. And Krishna took him, so what would say do I have? <laughs> Mm -hmm. This is not mine. This, he is not mine. So he was so advanced, he wasn't thinking that this son was his. He was thinking that this soul belonged to God, and God took this soul back. Right? Mm -hmm. Different consciousness. Yeah. And, um, and it too, it brought up memories, because obviously when I started coming here, it was kind of difficult for my family to understand and things like that, but somehow it didn't discourage me, because every time I would come, it was like Krishna was like hugging me. So it was so strong and sweet and real to me that I couldn't let it go. And I found that as I kept coming and kept growing and, and practice, actually practice and 
it came out through my actions and the way I was dealing with them and they saw that so it changed their heart which which was which is beautiful so yeah it's very encouraging yeah and then like the real relationship on the spiritual path just like you and your husband I mean you two were close on a psychological, physical, some spiritual, because you're a Christian, you're on a spiritual path. But when you begin the process of Krishna consciousness, then your relationship transfers to the spiritual rehatha mm-hmm. life, which is, right, it's like a, like a new beginning to the relationship. Absolutely. Yeah. And you're yeah. connecting directly on a soul level. Mm-hmm. It's different. Yeah. yeah. And it can be frustrating if, if we want to connect on that level with other people. <laughs> I can see how that can be frustrating. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, I should just do Okay, great. So I um thank you. I chose verse fifteen, text fifteen. Um specifically the first line in the verse, he he by whom no one is put into difficulty. Um, the, the Sanskrit to that says Yasman Novi Jete Loko. That that particular um, that particular line in that verse really jumped out. I mean, the entire verse is really sweet. Um, but I really really like this this first line because it made me think about so many things. Um, the Prabhupada expands in the purport. He says that a few of the devotees' qualifications are further being described. No one is put into difficulty, anxiety. Fearfulness or dissatisfaction by such a devotee. Since a devotee is kind to everyone, he's, he does not act in such a way as to put others into anxiety. I really like that. So I, uh, I wrote a few things down here because it immediately reminded me of a few things. Um, yeah. So... Yeah, he by whom no one is put into difficulty, and I, I kind of liked. This this particular part of this verse really jumped out at me because, and I wrote this down. I put some people possess this beautiful quality in their presence, uh, you know. You, you feel no feelings of, uh, there is no feelings of, of judgment or competition, but more so acceptance and humility. Um, and we've heard it said that Vaishnavs uh, leave a place better than when they first arrived. Uh, some devotees have the ability to leave people better than when they first arrived. And I think that's really profoundly beautiful quality to possess. And I think that that's what really Krishna admires. And I think that these, these type of devotees are really sweet to him. I don't know if you guys ever experienced that, but, you know, being around certain people just immediately inspires you to be better. They have, they possess that quality, and it's very rare, and I've experienced that firsthand, and I think it's absolutely amazing. So, such devotees also inspire me uh, to, you know, to develop these qualities as well by Krishna's grace. So, that's kind of what I wanted to share. That's my application. That's my discovery. So you aspire to be that person that anybody comes around. Yeah. You 
inspire them positively. Yeah, exactly. Nice. Sweet. Chita Priyamataji, you want to share your discovery? Hare Krishna, please accept my humble obeisances. My um, verse uh, is from uh, verse number 12, 12.12. If you cannot take to this practice, then engage yourself in the cultivation of knowledge. Better than knowledge, however, is meditation. And better than meditation is renunciation of the fruits of action. For by such renunciation, one can attain peace of mind. Just this triggered my my this verse. It triggered my mind because recently my um, sister uh, she sent a link regarding the meditation that's going on in India. How people are doing the meditation, and the guruji of that uh, meditative. Uh, group he was saying like uh, everybody's God so when I was reading the purport here um, Prabhupada says uh, the direct process is not possible for everyone therefore the indirect process is also good it is however to be understood that the indirect process is not recommended for Arjuna because he's already for the stage of loving devotional service um, the, who are not at this stage for them the gradual process of renunciation knowledge meditation but as far as Bhagavad Gita is concerned it is the direct method sorry Prabhu I, mean, I just missed a statement where Prabhupada is saying like when you follow this meditative process in that stage they think everybody is God so exactly what Prabhupada said and that's what I realized the Guru is also preaching them so it's like I felt like having the devotional service is the utmost thing. That's the superior of everything which Prabhupada has given us. So wonderfully said yeah. this. Yeah. And in the Bhagavad Gita, remember chapter 7, Krishna says, Bahunam Jamalavati, Gyanavan Mandapati, Asudevam Sarvayamati, Sa Mahatma Sudhurabhati. So, I mean, of the different transcendentalists, devotee is most rare. Most rare. Because on the path of transcendental knowledge, before you reach the stage of Krishna consciousness, these different transcendentalists, they go through different stages. But if they're not envious, then they can be open to having that bhakti transferred to their heart. That's the difference. Mayavadis, they're envious, and therefore they're offenders of God. They say Krishna is maya. When Krishna descends, it's maya, and then when he, when he uh, is in his true eternal form, emerges into the absolute Brahman. So that's denying the Lord's personal reality. But the Brahmavadis, they simply realize the oneness of, of, of God's creation, how we're all part of God, and how um, ultimately uh, there is a oneness uh, in God's spiritual energy. Uh, and they reach that stage through a rigorous process of Vaishnava Yoga. Um, but there's so many different examples, like um, Sukadeva Goswami, when he heard Bhagavatam from Srila Vyasadeva, uh, he, he became a devotee. Mm -hmm. And the four Kamaras, when they're, we're just reading now in the Bhagavatam, he caught the scent of the Tulsi leaves from the Lord's feet. 
they were Brahma bodies. They, they, they were realizing the oneness aspect of God. And then they became intoxicated by, by the beauty of the Lord. And they said, and they became devotees. So um, it's not that we, we criticize the Brahma bodies, because they're also trying to realize God. And Krishna says that also is a bona fide way to ultimately attain him. But because we, we have the ocean of, of Krishna consciousness, then um, that fulfills the knowledge of the oneness. We don't need separate. And, and we don't want to be contaminated because there are so many offenders of Krishna. So how do you feel that you can apply that to, to your life, like realizing that? Um, that really helped me because initially when I was coming into the Krishna consciousness, I did my research and I was looking into all these different kind of uh, meditation processes and how Ashtanga Yoga, different people were, even Radhanand Swami said he was amazed to see the yogis in the Himalayas, uh, the way they did all the Ashtanga processes and when he sat under the banyan tree, then he said, Krishna is the most powerful Ashtanga Yogi. So where he got from one banyan, from small banyan seed, then he can create a big banyan tree, then he was like. Um, so that's how, when I see, when I hear all these, these amazing meditative processes that they did and they could open the third eye and like, you know, um, and they talk about the um, impersonal um, liberation. and But still I feel like, you know, um, it's a stepping stone for them, but I still feel like bhakti yoga is the best process where uh, we don't have any material attachments or detachments or what we do is mainly to Krishna. We direct all the energy to Krishna consciousness. Yeah. So. Thank you. That's what Lord Jaitanya taught. He said that go, because he said, he said you're actually very wealthy. Like you think you're very poor, but if you actually go to your father's house, and you dig in the backyard on the east side, you realize you're extremely wealthy because there's a great treasure there. But that's the east side is where bhakti is. So you have to dig straight down on the path of bhakti. And don't get diverted to the, to the south, to the north, to the west, north, southwest. Don't get diverted. Because one of them is the impersonal path. And the impersonal mayavad view will swallow you up like a great serpent. <laughs> and the other is a speculative path. And the other is ritualistic practices without any devotion. So once my point is, is like once you have bhakti yoga, once you have devotional service, then there's no need for anything else. And it can be, it can be actually in Chaitanya Charitamrita, it says that um, you can become confused. Like it says that uh, a devotee shouldn't read so many different varieties of books because they'll just become confused about what like the essence is. It says you shouldn't become a bookworm. <laughs> so many varieties of literature. Because once you find bhakti, bhakti contains everything. Like in Bhagavad Gita, bhakti yoga is compared to um, the the ocean or the the great reservoir of water that fulfills the purposes of all other philosophies. So the point is, is like we have the essence and like bhakti um, realizing the Bhagavan feature of Krishna, it, it fulfills knowledge of every other path. Um, it, it completely satiates one and, and, and illuminates one to the highest knowledge.
Yeah. Just to piggyback on that, I really like how chapter 12 opens up because Arjuna is essentially asking that question to Krishna. He's saying, mm-hmm. you know, uh, which are considered to be more perfect, those who are always properly engaged in your devotional service or those who worship the impersonal Brahman, the unmanifested? And then, you know, Krishna goes on in, uh, in, this, in, the second, in the second verse, he says, those who fix their minds on my personal form are always engaged in worshiping me with great and transcendental faith, are considered to be, to me, by me, to be most perfect. So Krishna is like, he's out my, he's laying it out there. You know, there is no, there is no question of a- ambiguity. Is that the word? Ambiguity. Um, it's, it's very clear. And then he goes on to describe those who worship the unmanifested. And, and he goes on to say that, you know, at last they achieved me after all this rigor, after all this tapas and penance and blah, blah, blah. So I've always been taught that the fastest way between two points is a straight line. Yeah. That's bhakti yoga. Yeah. So why take the scenic route? Krishna has given us the sweetest. So, right. so we, can, we, can have, we can have direct, you know, we don't have to waste our time. So I thought that's really sweet. In the Kali Shanti Upanishad, there's a verse that says, um, Hare Nama, Hare Nama, Hare Nama, Eva Kema. Hello, Nasteva, 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 Gatchayanita. In this age of Kali, no other process is work. <laughs> We're short-lived. Uh, there's so many disturbances, anxieties in the atmosphere. So that the only way to achieve self-realization is chanting the holy names of the Lord. Chanting the holy names of the Lord. Chanting the holy names of the Lord. There's no other way. There's no other way. There's no other way. To reach that goal, Gatir means the goal. There's no other way. And so we have, we have this mercy, and we have the, um, we've been given the ticket. It's like Gurudev says, he says, if you win the lottery, you, you have, you're wealthy, but you have, to, you have to take that and cash it in. So we're given this gift of Bhakti Yoga. And all we have to do is we have to just apply ourselves. And uh, it's a wonderful, blissful life and process. And uh, yeah, we're very fortunate because it's not easy. Like we were saying, Sanmahatma uh, Sudhudhava, very rare. So, yeah. Yeah, and, and you're so right. I mean, I've said this before to you, but that, you know, um, one of the uh, Theravada Buddhists, uh, great Theravada Buddhist of the Thai forest tradition, uh, uh, Venerable Ajahn Moon actually said that, that he said that uh, in this age that we live in, this times that we live in, um, no one can get enlightened anymore. Uh, his, he's talking about his way, you know, the Buddhist way. You, you can only reach so far. There's different types of stages of enlightenment, and we can only reach so far, and that's it in this age, because it's too confusing of a time. I'd have to wait to another age before it will work yeah, totally. Yeah, and he was a great, great teacher in that particular tradition. So he realized that at that particular time, it can, it's limited, you know. But this is not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. 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 it was very. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was very. Yeah. Yeah. It was very much a real. Very honest. Yeah. Very honest. Yeah. That's refreshing. Yeah. Um, so Mari Mohini, she was sick, and um, she's catching up. So she has two weeks to share with us. So we're going to get some nectar from Mari Mohini. Let's see what she has to say. She's like, no, mm-hmm. <laughs> see. So she started, this is from the end of chapter 11. This is her discovery from text 54. Lord Chaitanya was appreciated by Rupa Goswami as the most munificent man of charity 
because love of Krishna, which is very difficult to achieve, was distributed freely by him. Understanding. Lord Chaitanya's mercy is to distribute love of Krishna, and that is the greatest thing one could have. We're just talking about that. Therefore, Lord Chaitanya is giving the greatest charity. That is why he's regarded by Rupa Goswami as the most munificent man. Very nice. Application. I turn to Lord Jaitanya often and ask him for his mercy as well as to Lord Nityananda. And I believe my love of God is growing. I am truly thankful and appreciate and value Lord Jaitanya and Lord Nityananda greatly. Very nice. And they have embraced you. And uh, you are um, doing such nice service. She's actually translating Srila Prabhupada's books into French. So Lord Jaitanya and Lord Nityananda have taken her fully engaging her. <laughs> it's very nice. Okay, and then she, she also was sharing from um, from last week. This is from chapter 12, text 6 and 7. As stated before, the Supreme Lord can only be appreciated by devotional service. Therefore, one should be fully devoted. Understanding. One should chant, hear, remember, worship the Lord in the temple and do the nine devotional processes. In addition, one should have one's mind firmly fixed on Krishna and do whatever work one does for him. The devotee seeks to please Krishna, that is his goal. Very nice. Application. I will continue to do devotional service, knowing that it brings me closer to the Lord, and do it lovingly. I am so thankful that the Lord gave us devotional service as the way to get back to him. Hare Krishna. It's a nice expression of gratitude. The Lord gave us a blissful process to attain blissful life. Like, isn't that wonderful? Mm-hmm. And that's the difference between bhakti yoga and, and the other yoga processes, is that the process is blissful, and the goal is even more blissful. So it's all bliss. It's all happiness. So thank you. That was wonderful. Yes. Um, okay. Does anybody want to make any comments before I share? Okay, this is from chapter 12, text 13, 14, uh, 13 and 14. It's from the, uh, so this is the verse. One who is not envious, but is a kind friend to all living entities, who does not think himself a proprietor, and is free from false ego, who is equal in both happiness and distress, who is tolerant, always satisfied, self-controlled, and engaged in devotional service with determination, his mind and intelligence fixed on me, such a devotee of mine is very dear to me. So this is from part of the purport. All these qualifications enable him to fix his mind and intelligence entirely on the Supreme Lord. Such a standard of devotional service is undoubtedly very rare, but a devotee becomes situated on that stage by following the regular principles of devotional service. Furthermore, the Lord says that such a devotee is very dear to him, for the Lord is always pleased with all his activities in full Krishna consciousness. So later on in the purport, to text 18.19, Sri Prabhupada says, Without good qualifications, one cannot be a pure devotee. Harava bhaktascha kuto mahad guna. It's from Srimad Bhagavatam. One who is not a devotee has no good qualification. One who wants to be recognized as a devotee should develop the good qualifications. Of course, he does not extraneously endeavor to acquire these qualifications. 
but engagement in Krishna consciousness and devotional service automatically helps him to develop them. In other words, these wonderful, all-attractive, rare qualities described in this chapter arise from the practice of Krishna consciousness. The indirect method described, renouncing fruits, also known as philanthropic work, cultivation of knowledge and meditation, lay the groundwork for sadhana bhakti. Through this regulated devotional life, the heart becomes cleansed of all illusory attachments and coverings, allowing the natural qualities of the soul to manifest. We are always very dear to the Lord, but our perfect, sweet, and beautiful nature, whom the Lord adores, has been lying dormant for many, many incarnations in this world. So application. Just as drinking clean, pure water quenches the thirst, nourishes the cells in the body, and gives strength, I pray to daily drink deeply from the well of Krishna consciousness, which will satisfy my deepest desires, nourish my longing for love, and get strength to surrender more deeply to Lord Keshava's service. The holy names of Krishna, association with devotees, worshipping the deity with faith, hearing from Srimad Bhagavatam and residing in a sanctified place are all thirst-quenching and have the potency to satisfy the deepest cravings of the soul. Through these methods, I pray to one day possess devotional qualities as described in this chapter and become dear to the Lord. So I also had one quick other discovery because I thought it was so nice. I think maybe Guvinamada um, Prabhu uh, might have said this one too. Um, he is tolerant and he is satisfied with whatever comes by the grace of the Supreme Lord. He does not endeavor much to achieve something with great difficulty. Therefore, he is always joyful. I thought that was an interesting description of how one's joyful. <laughs> and he doesn't endeavor with great difficulty to achieve something. In other words, like Prabhupada said, we, a perfect life means to work hard for Krishna. But the difference in consciousness is we're working knowing that everything's coming from God. He's giving us all the materials, He's giving us all the facilities. He's giving us the intelligence. He's giving us the help. And so wherever God places us, um, if we're rightly situated in devotional service, we simply do our best to serve Krishna from our position. And whatever the result is, it's successful. Externally, whatever the result is. If you lose your house, you lose your health, you lose everything, but you did that. You did your best to serve Guru and Krishna in your, in your proper situation in life. I'm not trying to overexert oneself for some thinking that we're the doer of activities and that we cause the results. But we simply just do everything from our position, the best of our ability to serve Guru and Krishna. Then that's, um, Prabhupada said, that's a successful life. Uh, he, said, just, he said, just chant Hare Krishna and work hard for Krishna. And that's, that's perfection. And so how much anxiety does that remove? Like immediately. <laughs> I mean, so many people are just thinking like, you know, like, oh, I didn't, you know, I didn't achieve this goal today. And therefore I'm a failure. Today I'm a failure. In Krishna consciousness, that completely doesn't exist anymore. Like I did my best today to serve Guru and Krishna. Therefore today is a success. Right? So it eliminates all that. So, we have a few minutes. Does anybody have any comments?
comments or questions or realizations? What do you think? I, mean, I, have, a, I have a question like in general, you know, not related to so like for somebody like who would be getting married this year probably so the question is like you initially pointed out something about grace life so how does that go like bringing the spouse also in some kind of that Krishna consciousness if you are inclined maybe she can also be inclined in that are you getting married? yeah oh wonderful congratulations yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. so um, is it where is your um, bride to be in India? yeah in India yeah Okay, so you're going to go back and get married? Yeah. Can we come? Are we invited? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, you'll buy us all a plane ticket? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're coming. <laughs> yeah, if you are in the summer in India, yeah. Yes. So the marriage is like oh. on 8 July, so yeah, you are oh. in India. If you are planning to visit India this summer, then. So, I mean, the first step, if possible, is to find somebody already inclined to devotional service. Since you've already chosen your person, <laughs> I hope that they are. But to whatever degree they are, you just become the best devotee you can be. The more deeper you go into Krishna consciousness, you take take initiation, take guru, uh, get a strong sadhana, chanting Hare Krishna, and and follow the uh, guidance and, and um, take mentorship from your guru. Then your 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 wife will benefit greatly, and become fixed to your path. There was one a motivational speaker, and he said, all he says, all other things break against the principles that I stand by. Nothing can stand um, against the principles that I stand by. So no matter what in life, make your relationship with Guru and Krishna the rock by which your family rests on. And what will happen is, because you begin to develop these qualities that Krishna is describing, this becomes um, a very, very, um, uh, it becomes a very wonderful environment for your family. And, and your wife will become attracted to Krishna consciousness. To the degree you fall in love with Krishna, to that degree your, your wife will also become attracted to Krishna. And um, when, you, when you begin, you know, um, um, having children and, uh, and raising your family, then um, it'll just, like, like Prabhupada said, he says, your house life can be heaven. It can be like Vaikuntha, if you put Krishna in the center. But if you, if you don't put Krishna in the center, then that same environment can become like a hellish environment. So as long as you keep your priorities on Guru and Krishna, and you realize that service to your spouse um, is, is also service to Krishna. So um, just helping them become their friend. Help them, um, help them in life to become a better person. Help them to surrender to Krishna and, and be a guide for your family. Um, that's really the definition. Like it says in Bhagavatam, like we shouldn't become a husband uh, or a father or a spiritual master unless we can deliver our dependence, unless we can help them break free from um, this, this samsara. Uh, so you just become a man of God, like a man of God, uh, surrendered to God, and then your family life will be perfect. Uh, do you have any, any specific concerns? Or? 
Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, but the, the good thing that you posed the question um, is like um, during um, having children, that's the main thing as Prabhu said, uh, like to deliver uh, your dependence to uh, Goloka. So that's, uh, there is a process called Garbhadana Samskara, which I didn't know because I came after I had the kids. That's a good one to read about, about having when you're planning for children, how to get a pious kids in your life. Yeah. Yes. Honestly, honestly speaking, I only talk to my grandfather. I mean, currently about some of the spiritual lectures which I see or watch Radhanath Swami's one or other ones. Because no other person I don't, I mean, whoever I interact with, they are not interested in that thing. But my grandfather is little bit interested. So that is the way I mean, I talk to him a lot. Rest all people, parents are also not that I mean, in that thing, so yeah. Yeah. So that is also one thing that you have to like rise above all those discouragements, yeah, because they are not very interested and they try to pull you, like, oh, where yeah. are you going? You should do that in maybe once you are old, yeah. But like I, when I watch the videos and all that, they say there is no age in coming to that Krishna consciousness. The younger you come into that group, in that spiritual era, it would be pretty nice, yeah, that is what all the. Sometimes we have to do things in, in different social settings that, that are directly devotional, but make the, the core of your social interactions be with devotees and make your, your lifestyle be centered around um, a devotional community like that. And um, become, become the influence on your family. Like, don't be swayed. You become the, the strength of your family. So they might go through different ups and downs, sometimes favorable, sometimes unfavorable, but you always be a devotee of Krishna. And then what will happen is, is like, uh, like you were expressing, uh, your parents in time will, will respect you greatly. And they'll also be influenced by you. You will influence positive everyone in your life. So just, just keep going in Krishna consciousness. Take lots of shiksha. Like it's good. You're listening to Radha Swami. Listen to other uh, ISKCON um, devotees. If you're, you're in the ISKCON Sangha, followers of Prabhupada. And uh, aspiring for initiation? Are you are you aspiring for initiation? No, not yet. Okay. Don't be shy about that. If you want to be a devotee, then, then take a diksha guru. That's uh, that's an important part of the process. Yeah. Well, uh, I have one just encounter to share. Yeah. My mom is very spiritual. My father is not, but my mom is very spiritual. And she has inculcated this habit from like, I have been going through, I have been very tough times. Uh, when I came over here, I didn't knew anybody. So I was very alone. But since she taught from the childhood that in the morning, she gave us a prayer. When I eat, I say a prayer. And when I sleep, I ask for forgiveness, whatever I did wrong for today. And I initiate God in the morning also. So she said that, just do this and you will get around it and it has helped me a lot so from childhood she inculcated this habit so now like from last few years i never used to understand when she used to say when i was a kid like i was like two three times and she used to chant uh, guy three months and like all the uh, good prayers very loudly and I was just playing around in the house. So I never, so automatically those mantras and chants used to come into my head. And when I grew up and like from last few years when I have been going, like I had tough times, uh, 
I never I never had this feeling like oh my god I never had this feeling of depression I always used to feel if this doesn't work out something will like and she always kept on saying all the problems comes from the god and god always like she used to say it in hindi ki sari ki sari mushkil bhagwan ki taraf se aati means all the problems comes from the god and he only he will only help you out that to solve those problems Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Your, your mom blessed, blessed you. She blessed you and she blessed your whole family. Yeah. Um, she still, she has uh, health issues. Like, uh, but my father keeps on getting angry that there is, um, like, uh, she has been told she has thyroid issues. So with thyroid, you have to eat after every two hours with, when you eat the thyroid medicine. So my father gets angry that, uh, why don't you have breakfast? So she says, as long as my, how come you always eat without even thinking twice? So I will first pray to God and then I will. So now since she doesn't have any engagement, she has improved her like Now she uh, she chants for like three hours a day. Yeah, and when I came over here, the only thing she gifted me was like I was coming when I was coming over here. She gifted me a Ram Charitman. So I have a Ram Charitman at my home. Very nice. You have to come to Ram Nomi then. Yeah, it's from 6th April, right? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's uh, it's described like a fragrant tree in the forest. When some saintly person is in the family or, or in the community, it spreads a fragrance throughout the whole forest. Yeah, okay. I think it's all because of her blessing I'm here. That's, that's why. That's nice I wouldn't have been yeah. here. Like. Yeah, we're blessed by the saintly people in our lives. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much. <laughs> all right, well, thank you all. And we're, we're going to have a Hari Nam. Anybody who wants to join us, we're going to congregate out here at 6.30. We're going to go out we're going to chant a mantra to the citizens of Tucson. And bless them. Whether they know it or not, they're going to be blessed with the Maha Mantra. So you all can are welcome to come out. Um, and actually, would you mind, um, you three, would you like to get on our email list for the Bhagavad Gita class so we can send you a worksheet? Okay.